This is Daf Kafvav and Masechet Megillah. We're beginning on Kafhei Amud Bet at the bottom of the Amud with the new Perek Bnei Ayir. It's interesting to note that there is a difference of opinion about the order of the Prakim in Masechet Megillah. The way that we have Masechet Megillah is in accordance with the tradition of many Rishonim. There were some Rishonim who had the last two Prakim of Masechet Megillah switched around. If you look, for example, in the, the Rif, he has the third Perek as Bnei Ir and the fourth Perek as Hakore Omet. In any case, Bnei Ir Shemachur Chovashel Ir Luchin Bedamav Betakneset. If a community sells the town square where they would occasionally have tefilot, as we're going to learn, they can purchase a synagogue with it. Betakneset. If they if they sell the synagogue, Luchin Teva, they can purchase a Teva, a an, uh, a holy ark for the Sefer Torah to be held. Teva. If they sell the Teva, Luchin Mitpachot, they can they can purchase the coverings that go around the Sefer Torah. Mitpachot, if they sell the coverings of the Sefer Torah, then they can buy Nevi'im and Ketuvim with it. They would have the Nevi'im and Ketuvim also on scrolls. Sfarim, if they sell those, Lokhim Torah, you can buy a Sefer Torah with that. But if they sell a Sefer Torah, they cannot sell na, they cannot buy Nach with the money. Sfarim, Lokhim Mitpachot, if they sell uh, books of Nach that are on scrolls that have Kedusha, they cannot buy coverings of Sfarim. If they sell the coverings, they can't buy in our own Kodesh because it's too, it's the, the, the things that wrap, that you wrap the Torah in are closer to the Sefer Torah than the Aron and therefore higher Kedusha. Teva, lo yikhu bekneset. If they sell in our own Kodesh, they cannot buy a bekneset with the money and bekneset lo yikhu et ha'ochov. And they cannot sell a bekneset to buy the outdoor square where they would have to fill out on occasion. The true is, the same is true with the leftover money for any, any of these sales, even after they have, let's say, purchased, they've sold something and they've purchased something of a higher level of Kedusha. The leftover money also cannot be used for a lower level of Kedusha. The Gemara says, The people of a city who sold the square, the town square, these are the words of Rabbi Menachem, the son of Yossi, the anonymous one. But the Chachamim say that the town square doesn't have any Kedusha at all. Rabbi Menachem bar Yossi, what's the reasoning of Rabbi Menachem bar Yossi? Because there were occasions on which they would in fact use the town square for fast days where they would pray in the public arena, as we learned in Masechet Atanit. The rabbis say that that's only an occasional thing. It's only once in a while thing. And since it's infrequent, it doesn't give any kedusha to the town square. If you sell a synagogue, you can buy an Aron Kodesh. This is only true of a village synagogue that it could be sold. But a city synagogue, since it is, since people come from all over, it doesn't belong just to the locals. It really belongs to the community at large. It doesn't belong just to the locals and therefore they don't have the power to sell it at all. Even though people come from all around to pray there, since they come because of me, it's only because he founded it and it's his synagogue. So if I wanted to, I could sell it, meaning I have the power to sell it, even though they come from all over, that doesn't give them any proprietary right since they really come from me, it's my synagogue. There is an objection. There was a synagogue of, uh, of workers, of copper workers. 
Le Rabbi Eliezer, they sold it to Rabbi Eliezer. And he used it for whatever he wanted. Wasn't that a city synagogue because it was in Yerushalayim? No. It was a small synagogue just for that group. They made it. So since they established it for their small minyan and small group of, uh, uh, of copper workers, so even though it was in a metropolis, it was their synagogue and it was a small synagogue and therefore they were able to sell it. There is an objection. It says that Salat will come into the houses of the... Um, Land that you inherit. This is talking about the Torah that's found in houses. The Tanakh Kama says that you, that you can find Torah in houses any place in Israel, but not in Yerushalayim. I heard that the only place that you can't find Torah is in the Mikdash, but anywhere else you could find it. That means that synagogues and Batei Midrash, houses of study, can become Tamei. So what's the whole issue here? The issue here is the machloket between Tanakhama and Rabbi Yudah is whether Yerushalayim is, it was, was divided up among the Shvatim. According to the Tanakhama, Yerushalayim is a national city. It doesn't belong to any Shevet, and therefore since it doesn't belong to any Shevet, it's not subject to the laws of Tzorat of the house, which apply only to houses in Eretz Achuzatchev. In the land that you have inherited, meaning in land that is that is the possession of a particular tribe, but Yerushalayim wouldn't be under that. Rabbi Yudai is saying no. Yerushalayim is also divided up among the Shvatim. The only places that are not is the Beit Hamikdash. But the implication is that the Beit, the Batei Midrash and the Batei Knesset could have Tzarat, even though allegedly they belong to everyone. Aren't you saying they really belong to everyone? They can't be sold by the locals. They belong to everyone. So that should mean that they're also exempt from Tzarat. Right? That's why what Rabbi Yudah said was not the Makom Mekidash, not only the Beit Mekdash, but really any holy place. Since it belongs to the entire Jewish people, it would not have Tzorat on it. The Machloket between the Tanakh and Rabbi Yudah is whether Yerushalayim was divided up among the tribes. According to, Rabbi Yudah, according to the Tanakh it wasn't. So therefore it's not subject to Tzorat. And according to Rabbi Yudah, Yerushalayim was divided up among the Shvatim, so therefore houses in Yerushalayim could get Tzorat in them. And they really are arguing about the same issue that was debated by other Tanaim. The Tanaim, as it says in the Brayta, that certain parts of the Beit HaMikdash, the Temple Mount, and the Chambers, and the Courtyards belong to Yehuda, and Binyamin had Ulam, Vechal, uh, the uh, Kodesh Kodeshim and the Hechal, which is the Kodesh, and the Ulam, the entrance into the Kodesh. Uh, and there was one line of territory that came from the area of Yehuda into the area of Binyamin. And that, the Mizbech was actually built on the strip of land that really belonged to Yehuda, even though it should have been part of Binyamin. And Binyamin Atzadik, meaning the original Binyamin, he knew Baruch HaKodesh that this was going to happen, he knew in divine inspiration, and he was upset about it, and he wanted to swallow up that piece of land. That he, uh, he uh, hovers over it all day long, meaning it bothered him. He really wanted to have the total, total possession of that area. Therefore, because Binyamin so much wanted the Mizbeach to be in his territory, he cared about it so much, Hashem made him the one who hosted the Kodesh Kodashim, who would have the uh, Kodesh Kodashim in his territory. But you see that it is divided up among Shvatim according to that, right? Um, but there's another Tanah that says that Yerushalayim wasn't divided up among the Shvatim. Because it says in the Brayta, you cannot rent out houses in Yerushalayim because they don't really belong to us. You can't even rent out beds because the land doesn't, that you're letting the people sleep on doesn't belong to you. So you can't charge people for using beds. Um, and therefore, 
אורות קודשים בעלי אושפיזין, נותנים אותם בזרוע. really with the, the, uh, the innkeepers that take the skins of the קורבנות that their, their guests would offer them, they would usually take the skins as a payment for allowing them to stay there, really it's considered that they're taking them בזרוע, it's considered like they're taking them illegally because really they don't have a right to rent out the space, it doesn't belong to anybody, it belongs to Hashem. Um, and that, that's the idea that the doesn't belong to any individual. This teaches you that it's a custom to leave a, uh, some kind of a, uh, a pitcher of drink and the, the skins from the animals that you ate for the innkeeper as a tip, as a gift for having stayed there when you were hosted by somebody. Now, but the thing is, so that machloket, whether Yerushalayim belongs to everybody or belongs to particular shvatim, has an implication for the laws of Tzorat. But what we saw was that the, uh, everybody seems to agree that, er, that Batei Knesset, holy places, belong to everyone if they're in a cosmopolitan area, a big area, and therefore uh, would not be subject to the laws of Tzorat, but also would not be able to be sold by the locals. All of this that we learned in the Mishnah, that the money is restricted in its use, that you cannot take the money from a synagogue that was sold in a case where you can sell it, right? That you can't take that money, uh, a, a local synagogue cannot take its money and use it for a lower Kiddushah than synagogue. That's only if the seven, uh, basically it means the uh, board members, it means the trustees, seven trustees of the city in the presence of the entire uh, Population of but if the board members sold it in the presence of all of the com- the members of the community, then afilo they could even use the money to drink beer. In other words, they could buy beer with a chapir, that would be okay. There would be no restrictions on the use of the money in that case. It completely loses its kedusha in that case. Rava had a certain, uh, basically broken down ruin of a bit Knesset. He said, I want to use it for a field now. It's just a ruin of a bit Knesset. It's, there's no synagogue. If you really want to do that, you have to buy it, the property. You own, he owned the property, but he said, yeah, if you want to remove the Kedushah, you have to buy it from the seven trustees of the city in the, mem- in the presence of the uh, citizens of that city, and then you can remove the Kedushah from it, and you can plant whatever you want in that space. One time, Rami Bar Abba was building a Beit Knesset. There was an old synagogue. He wanted to take from it. Um, right, he wanted, what he wanted to do was to take the Livnei V'Kashurei. He wanted to take the... Um, the bricks and the bo- and the uh, planks from the old synagogue, demolish it and build a new one with it, right? There is a halacha. You can't destroy a synagogue until you've built a new one in a particular area because we're concerned that you'll destroy it and you won't rebuild a new one. But maybe the only reason that the halacha exists is because maybe you'll neglect to build a new one. What about here where I'm actually taking the pieces of the old synagogue and making the new one? It's different. In other words, where I want to destroy the synagogue and then I'm eventually going to build a new one, maybe something will come up and I won't build a new one. But when I'm actually using the materials from the old one to build the new one, maybe it should be okay. He went to Rav he said, no. And Rav also said, no, according to our version. It's also, according to the other version uh, that should say Rav Yoshua. The point is that they said, no, you can't do it because you're destroying one synagogue before the other one is built. A synagogue to sell it or to exchange it 
is okay. In other words, that can remove the Kiddushah because it, the Kiddushah will go on to whatever the proceeds are of the sale or the exchange. However, to rent it out or to make it a collateral is prohibited. Because it stays um, uh, in a state of holiness. And you, so if you rent it out, the person who's renting it out, they're using it for unholy things. Or, the, you're, you know, if you leave it as a collateral, it's being used for unholy things, and yet it's still in its state of dusha. So, uh, uh, so again, and it says, Livnei nami chalufinu vezabuninu sharei ozufinu asur. Similarly, the bricks, you can trade them or sell them, but to lend them out is prohibited. That's talking about only old ones. In other words, ones that were already used in a synagogue, um, that they were once part of a synagogue, to sell them or exchange them and then remove the Kedushah, transfer it to something else would work. But to, re- to bar- lend them to someone is not allowed because they still have the Kedushah of the Bikneset. But if they were designated to be part of a Bikneset, but they were never actually built into one, that would be okay. Even according to the opinion that says that designating something gives it a status. That's only when you, for example, sew a garment as a um, as a shroud for a dead body, because there they once you finished, in other words, your uh, your sewing of it now makes it ready for the dead body. So the fact that you had intention for that to be for the dead body gives that garment a status that it is a shroud for a dead body, and you can't benefit from it. But here it is like something which is uh, spun to be sewn. In other words, it's too far removed from the final product because the bricks themselves make the uh, bricks themselves are not. In a building yet, they're not. Uh, it's they're not part of a beknesset yet. They're not in a building yet, so they're too far removed from the final form of the beknesset to say that this has manam milta And nobody would say that that is um, a type of a, uh, a status of sanctification. In that case, uh, she explains. He says. When it comes to the garment of the shroud, he says, once it's sewn, once it's sewn up, it can be put on the dead body. When it comes to bricks, they have to still be put into the wall. So it's like spun thread that has not yet been woven. He wouldn't be considered to be a, uh, a new, um, uh, it, it wouldn't be considered to be designated for the synagogue just because you had in mind it doesn't change the status of those bricks and they could still be even lent out or whatever. They don't have any kedusha. Matana, what about giving it as a gift? Okay, let's say the community wants to give uh, the synagogue as a gift for some mundane use. Ravina argued one said it was okay, one said not. The one that says it's prohibited says, well, where is the kedusha going to go? In other words, when you have a sale, the kedusha goes onto the money, right? Right. So the point is that when you give something, there must be an incentive for giving it. There must be some benefit that you're gaining. That benefit that you're gaining is like a sale. In other words, a gift is really like a sale. It renders a, a, a gift like a sale because it's saying you wouldn't be giving the gift if you didn't have a benefit. So, so therefore really 
giving the gift is like selling it because the benefit that you're getting from giving that gift, whatever it is, whatever you're expecting to get from giving that gift, that is where the Kedusha goes, even if it's something that's not as tangible, and therefore the Kedusha could be removed from the Beit Knesset through it being given as a gift. Things that are used for a mitzvah can be thrown away, but something which is used for holiness has to be put away, has to be buried. What is a Tashmish mitzvah? Sukkah, Lulav, Shofar, Tzitzit. These are objects that are used for a mitzvah, like a sukkah, lulav, a shofar, tzitzit, ve'eloin dash mishay kedusha, what's considered uh, things that function for kedusha. Dilos kemei sfarim, tefillin u'mezuzot. The holders of sfarim, meaning the sifrei kodesh, such as books of nach, that you have like a bag that they go into, or of your tefillin, your tefillin bag, or mezuzot that are held in a container, the case of a sefer Torah, the bag of the tefillin, and the straps of the tefillin. In other words, it's a, uh, the, 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 um, the smaller, there's the smaller bag, there's the bigger bag, uh, the luskame the, the could be a bigger one, the, the, the tik and the nartik are maybe uh, smaller ones. Um, he says that tik is uh, longer. And uh, Nartik is uh, smaller. But the point is that the uh, different cases or containers or bags that you use for holding these holy items or the straps of the tefillin, uh, these are all considered uh, to be Tashmishek Kedusha. Now the basic rule of Tashmishek Kedusha, as I've explained in the past, is anything that has to do with the Shem Hashem. Something that doesn't have the name of God cannot be Tashmishek Kedusha, will always be Tashmishek Mitzvah. The, the Kedusha is always associated with the name of Hashem, so Tefillin, Mitzvot, Sifrei Torah, Sifrei Tanach, they have the name of Hashem, therefore they have Kedusha. Amar Rava, Mereshav, Amina Haikur, Seadish Tashmish, Tashmishu, Vesharei, I used to think that this stand where they put the Sefer Torah is really a Tashmish of a Tashmish. In other words, it's too far removed to be called Tashmish Kedusha. Because they put something on top of it. They put like a... Uh, in other words, he thought that uh, because normally, what do they do? They normally put a uh, 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 some kind of a, uh, um, a covering over the teva, what we call the teva, or they call the bima. Before they put it on the table to read, they put something under the Sefer Torah so it doesn't rest directly on the table. So maybe the table itself is not a Tashmish Kedusha. Then he saw that sometimes they don't always do that. right? So since he saw that normally they put some kind of a covering under there and the Sefer Torah directly goes on the covering, so it doesn't really go directly on the wooden table. So therefore the wooden table would not be um, a Tashmish Kedusha. Right? But then he saw... That kevan de chazina de motve ilave sefer Torah. When I saw they put it directly on, sometimes so amina tashmish kedusha hu vasur. Therefore, I saw it's tashmish kedusha. Originally, I thought that the, that the the curtain of the aron kodesh is only a tashmish de tashmish because the aron itself holds the sefer Torah, but the but the curtain doesn't. So I would think it's uh, too far removed to be called tashmish kedusha. But kevan de chazina de ayfele umanach sefer ilave. I saw that sometimes they fold it under and they place the Sefer Torah directly on that curtain. Sometimes they do that. So therefore I realized it's a Tashmish Kedusha. If you have a Teva that starts to fall apart, in other words, here we're talking about an Aron Kodesh where you put the Sefer Torah inside, it starts to fall apart. What you, can, you can actually make a smaller uh, Aron Kodesh out of the wood that's still good from it, but you cannot make it into a desk for the reading, for the placing of a Sefer for reading, um, be, uh, because it's still a lesser status than the Aron Kodesh itself. 
If you have a curtain of that one that starts to wear out, they may have that person. You could make it actually a covering of a Sefer Torah itself or of, uh, or of, um, uh, of Sfarim. You could make it into a cover of Sfarim, the Chumashin Asir. But you can't do it for Chumashin. In other words, for a Sefer Torah, you could make it a uh, covering, but you can't make it for Chumashin. Chumashin is when they would make as a scroll just the individual books of the Torah, but it doesn't have the Kedushava Sefer Torah because it doesn't have all five books. It just has Barishir or Shemot or Vayikra or whatever. You, can, you, you can't use it for that, but you could use the worn out curtain of the Aron to make a covering of a Sefer Torah. Vamarava said, Hanez Vilei de Chumashay. He says the. Um, uh, the um, the cov- the containers of the chumashim, um, the kamatre de sifrei, or the uh, the containers or the boxes of the asfarim, tashmish kedusha ninu v'nignazin. These are considered tashmishe kedusha, and they have to be buried. So it says pshita that should be obvious. Ma'od detema hanilav lechavod avidan le'naturei ba'alma avidan. You would think that these containers are really made to protect the Sfarim, not for kavod of the Sfarim, kamash malan, that the, it is a type of kavod, the fact that we protect them, I guess, is considered a type of kavod, and therefore it is a tashmish kedusha. So if you have something at the chumashim or the Sfarim to go in that's a type of a box, even though it's to protect it, it's still considered to have the same kedusha as any other, uh, any other, um, uh, sort of enhancement or, uh, or a beautifier of the, a holy thing. The synagogue of the Roman Jews, it was open to a certain area, there was a dead body in the adjoining room. They wanted, the Kohanim wanted to come into the Beit Knesset, but it was open right to a room that had a dead body in it, and so therefore the whole air, the whole uh, building had to He said to them, Move the Aron Kodesh to block the doorway between uh, the synagogue and the side room that has the dead body. And since it's called the Kli'etza Asui Lenachat, it's a wooden uh, piece of furniture that is made not to move. It's made to stay in one place. It's not Mekabil Tumah. And therefore will block the impurity from coming through. But the rabbi said to Rava, but it's not true because sometimes we'll actually move the Aron even when the Sefer Torah is inside. So it's something that's moved around both when it's full and when it's empty. And that means it's actually considered a mobile item. It's not considered a thing that's in the, if it's something that only moves when it's empty. So it's considered to be actually a stationary item because it's something that you have to empty out in order to move it like a piece of furniture. But if it's something that sometimes you move even when it's full, so that's not considered something in a fixed place. And so therefore it does not block Tum'ah. And they said, Yachi Shar. He said, if that's true, then you cannot use that solution, you're not going to be able to block the Tum'ah from entering the Bit Knesset from the side room.